So 1 John chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse number 4. How many of you, whenever you see the things going on today, we don't really feel like an overcomer. When you see the world overcoming the nation, when you see a virus overcoming the nation, sometimes it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Sometimes it's easy to feel overwhelmed, especially when our way of life gets turned upside down. Amen. Our way of life can oftentimes get turned upside down through sickness. Uh, Sometimes sin turns it upside down. We know that the wages of sin is death. But here's something else. The circumstances of life, just like the way the wind blows, can oftentimes turn our world upside down to where we feel overwhelmed. But here's the good news. Our overcoming is not based on our feelings. It's based on our faith. And what we're going to share this morning are three principles that the overcomer has. Three principles that the overcomer has. But we're going to begin here in verse 4, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Let's read what the Lord says here. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Hey, can I ask you a question before we finish the rest of that verse? Are you born of God? Are you born again? Are you born by the Spirit from above? Is he that's in you greater than he that's in the world? Have you been given new life in Jesus Christ? If that's you, then you can say, that's me. He whoever, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now, that's the truth whether we feel it or not. That's the truth whether we feel it or not. Sometimes we don't feel it, but the Word of God says we are. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And, you know, I love the King James Bible, overcometh. It means that it's an ongoing reality. It's an ongoing reality. That means that despite the circumstances in our lives, we have the ability to be on top of them. We have the ability as children of the Most High God to be on top instead of under. Amen? And it's not based on feeling. There's a lot of days I don't feel it. There's a lot of days I don't feel it. But God didn't say that we overcome by feelings. He said we overcome by faith. Amen? Now, let's let's continue on. It says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. See? It's our faith that gives us victory in the circumstances, no matter what they are, no matter how hard they are, and no matter what our feelings are, faith ties us to victory in Jesus. It is not feelings, but it is faith that places us in Victoryville. You know, sometimes whenever life is the way it is right now, we feel overwhelmed. We feel just like bombarded on every side, and it's hard to feel victorious when you're being bombarded constantly. I guarantee you that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not feel victorious when they were 
getting thrown into the fiery furnace. But do you know what? Those three Hebrew boys, they never wavered on their faith. And I think their feeling probably changed when they realized there was a fourth man in the fire with them. The feeling left because they realized God had not left them, but God had joined them in the valley that they were in. One of the things that God has just stuck in my heart right now is that even though we may be in a valley, Jesus is the lily of the valley. Even though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. He doesn't leave us in the valley. He's in the valley with us. We can smile in the valley because there's a beautiful lily in that valley. Amen. A beautiful lily in the valley. But notice the end of that verse. It says that it's our faith, not our feeling. It's our faith. You have to get that. In order for you to walk as an overcomer, you have to believe what God says. You have to believe God's word and not your emotions. Sometimes we don't feel it, but we believe to it. Amen? You don't feel your way to victory. Look at the next verse. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you see that? It is our belief in Jesus that gives us that victory that God has for us. It is not feeling. It is not even situations or circumstances. I promise you, you don't get victory by who you marry. You don't get victory by a job you have. You don't get victory by a raise. You don't get victory by winning the lottery. Those things can bring you down. They can make life better, but they don't bring victory. Victory comes through Jesus Christ alone. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And it is that faith that gives us the ability to overcome. Now, here's, we're going to go to the book of Revelation, but before we turn there, I just want to give you a heads up about the book of Revelation. Um, there are uh, many verses, believe it or not, that speak about overcoming in the book of Revelation. In fact, the se- how many of y'all know that there's seven churches in the book of Revelation, right? Chapter uh, 2 and 3. Now, the awesome thing about that is every single church was given a charge by Jesus to be an overcomer. Did you know that? Every single one. There, the seven churches have seven individual charges to overcome. Now, that's important because God has given us the ability to be overcomers. And I want you to know that it's not feeling, but it is faith, okay? It is not feeling, but it is faith. Here's the thing about overcoming. The word actually means to conquer, to vanquish, to subdue, to invade enemy territory, and to be victorious. That's what it means to be an overcomer. That means that God has given you all that you need, to be an overcomer, even when the circumstances of life are overwhelming. I want you to know that God is with you. 
that God hasn't left you, but he's given you the means to be an overcomer in your present situation. Your situation doesn't have to change when you realize God's in it. He changes us. He changes us. He gives us the ability. He gives us the ability to experience the life of the Spirit in our current situations. See, the Spirit of God can be with you no matter where you're at. No matter where you're at. Now, let's go over to Revelation chapter 12. If you will, uh, turn with me over there. Revelation chapter 12. Now, I said earlier that I want to show you three principles about overcomers. Three principles about overcomers. What a beautiful day to worship the Lord. Amen. God is with us. Now, Revelation chapter 12 is interesting because this chapter, uh, Revelation 12, it, it is kind of sandwiched in the middle of a lot of apocalyptic things. And sometimes some people believe this, this verse actually be, happened in the book of Genesis. Um, but Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse number seven, it says there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now listen to this. And they overcame him. It's talking about the devil. They overcame him. Do you think that if they could overcome the devil, we can overcome our current situation? There are three principles in this verse that God gives us that make an overcomer. These three principles follow. It says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Now, let's talk about these three principles, the, the three distinctives, the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives unto death. These three things are critical to becoming an overcomer. Number one, what blood are we talking about? We're talking about the blood of Jesus, right? We're talking about the blood that flowed on Calvary's hill, that old rugged cross that was stained with blood so divine. That divine blood was God incarnate. That divine blood was God who existed before creation. 
incarnating himself into a body and allowing that perfect sinless body represented by the lamb, by the sacrificial lamb that Israel used, that perfect body, that perfect lamb allowed his blood to be shed. And the Bible says that that blood atones for our sin. That blood speaks. Did you know that blood speaks? Did you know that blood speaks? How many of y'all remember back in the book of Genesis? You remember Sunday school? We have some Sunday school teachers here. You remember back in the book of Genesis, whenever Cain and Abel were fighting and, and Cain slew Abel and God came to, to Cain and he said, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Hey, let me ask you something. If the blood of Abel cried out, how much more do you think the blood of Jesus Christ cries out? If, if Abel's blood could talk, how much more does Christ's blood? If, if the blood of Abel cried out from the ground, when the blood is applied to you, when you believe by faith and that blood has been applied to your soul, your soul walks around speaking what you don't hear when you're walking in the natural, but when you walk by faith, that blood is speaking and you get in tune with it and you automatically become an overcomer. You become an overcomer because you know that you've been bought You've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are a walking trophy from God. He purchased you, and the blood that's been applied to your soul speaks against the darkness around you. It speaks against the enemy encamping around you. and says, you cannot come that far. You can only come this way, but you can't go that way because that one is covered by the blood. The blood of the lamb still speaks. If you've been covered by the blood of the lamb, if you've been purchased by the blood of the lamb, the devil has no authority over your life. You are an overcomer because you've been bought with the blood of Jesus. That blood's been applied to your soul and he cannot have authority. He must release you. Amen. You've been bought. You've been brought out of darkness. You've been brought into the kingdom of the dear son. That blood of the lamb, it says um, in Romans 3, that faith in that blood gives us the remission of sins. Do you remember that? Faith in that blood. There's, you know why that's so important? You know why that's so important? Because the enemy can taunt you about your past. You must go back to Romans 3, verse 25, and say, I don't care about my past because it's under the blood. The Bible says when I trust that blood applied to my soul, God gives me the remission of my sins in my past. They are gone, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. You are not who you used to be if the blood has been applied to your soul. And when you know that, listen, when you know that, I know many of you know that, but when you know that, what it does is it quiets the enemy's taunting. It quiets the enemy's taunting, and what you do is you honor the Lord by walking around as forgiven. Amen? Forgiven. Let your past be the past. 
Let your now be the now in Jesus' name. There's something else that that blood does to us, okay? There's something else that that blood does to us. It's in, in Hebrews chapter 10. You don't have to turn there, but Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. You can look this up later. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Here's a, a beautiful thing that the blood of Jesus does for us, okay? This is part of being an overcomer. It says that we draw nigh... We draw nigh unto God into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Listen, the reason that you have an ability to come to God is because the blood paves the way. There is only one way for you or me, someone like us, there's only one way for someone like us to come into the presence of Almighty God. And it is because the blood of Christ paves the way. There is no other way but Jesus, right? And that way is because of his shed blood. That's Romans, uh, I'm sorry, that's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Why is that important? Because oftentimes when you've not been coming near to God or maybe you haven't been doing what you should, maybe you haven't been praying or whatever, one of the things that the enemy does is tell you that you're not worthy. And I'm here to tell you, no, you're not. You never have been, you never will be, you never are. But Christ loved us when we were yet sinners. Not when we were worthy, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The, that's the gospel. He didn't die because you were worthy. He died because he loved you while you were yet a sinner. That's the gospel. And the beautiful thing about it is if he died for you while you were yet a sinner, now that you've been covered by the blood of the lamb, that blood gives you the ability to come into the holiest. And you can, whenever you go look at Romans 10 verse 19 later, here's something I want you to know. In Ro Roman, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews 10 verse 19 this is what I want you to know that that holiest place speaking of the holy of holies in, in the tabernacle and in the temple there was a holy place that's where the showbread was that's where the altar of incense was and, and, and then there was a big thick curtain and behind that curtain was where the ark was and that ark had the mercy seat on it. On that mercy seat was the only place God would meet with people. And they could only go in once a year. They had to go in the right way or they would die. And in that holiest of holy places, that's the place that the book of Hebrews says, you go. You realize that? The place that you can go Anytime you want to go, anytime you want to go, you can draw nigh unto God by, into that holiest place, not because of your good works, not because of how long you've been doing whatever you've been doing, but because the blood opened the path. That's why. And so 
one of the things that we have to understand about an overcomer is that an overcomer realizes that their past is gone. They realize that the devil has no authority over their life and they have a, an ability to come before God and draw near into the very presence of God and worship God. And these are hallmarks of an overcomer just on the first part of that verse. Do you see that? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb. Do you remember the second part? Are you still there? What's the second part? The word of what? The word of their testimony. What's a testimony? We just read one while ago. A, a, a testimony is when you're testifying about what God has done in your life. Why is it important that they overcame by, their, by the word of their testimony? Why is that important? You know why? E.M. Bounds, he said that man is God's method. Jesus is God's means. But if you want to see how God works on the earth today, it's through us. It's through us. This is why it's so important for the church to get mobilized. This is why it's so important for the church to become that army of God, to move out into the enemy's territory. That's why Jesus said that, that the, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you because he expects us to go out and, and, and to, to take it by force. To The kingdom of God suffer violence, and the violent take it by force. We have the authority, and we've got to walk in it and go out and share what God has done in our lives. So number one, we're talking about the blood of the lamb. It, it releases the authority of the devil off of our life. It releases us from our past. It gives us the ability to come into the presence of God. Secondly, the word of our testimony, just simply sharing our faith and what God has done for us. Now, listen, you may not, you may think, well, I don't have a good testimony. Yes, you do. If you know the Lord and you have the forgiveness of your sins, you have a testimony. It's time to start sharing it. You might not think it's worth much, but God does. God paid an awful high price to give you that testimony. If you've been born again, you need to start speaking it. You need to start telling people about how good God is. Amen. Let me show you a verse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 just to, to, to emphasize this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And look at, at verse number 9. Well, let's read verse 8 for continuity. It says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Listen to this. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints. How many of you know that's going to be a beautiful day? Jesus is going to be glorified in his saints. We, look, think about this. When, when he comes back and you get to leave this earth and join him in heaven, you don't deserve it, and he's going to be glorified because he saved some wretched sinner like us. Amen? He's going to be glorified. It's going to be an amazing time. They're going to say, look at the purchase that he bought. 
Look at all the souls, all the drunkards that God saved, all the prostitutes that God delivered, all those that were bound in iniquity, that had family curses lifted off of them, that had, you know, destruction about them delivered and brought into God's goodness. And then look at this. It says he's going to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. Look at this parentheses in this verse. I love that. You know, when, when the Holy Spirit puts something in parentheses, it's, it's so you know something. Look what it says. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Do you see that the apostle Paul is saying Jesus is going to come back. He's going to be glorified. He's going to be admired in them that believe. Why? Because our testimony among you was believed. In other words, they went down to where the people were and they shared their testimony. They gave God glory. They gave God a witness, and they did not hold it in. You might, you might say, well, I, you know what? God saved me 20 years ago. I don't have much of a testimony. Yeah, but it's yours, and you need to get into the habit of sharing that testimony with others because God uses it. Just like the apostle Paul said here, when people believe your testimony, it's it could open the door for God to change their life and save their soul. That's why it's so important for us to share our testimony. So these are, these are habits. This is whenever I was studying, this is what the word habits. These are habits that we have as overcomers. Number one, trusting the blood of the lamb. Number two, open your mouth. Share your testimony. You have a testimony. You have been bought, you've been purchased by the blood, and God has given you new life in Jesus Christ. Amen? How good is God? How many of y'all remember the Apostle Paul had a Damascus Road experience? You remember that? And, and, and whenever he was being tried in front of King Agrippa, you remember he preached. And King Agrippa said, Paul, you almost convinced me. You remember that? He said, you almost convinced me. Why? Because Paul was sharing his testimony. But do you know what else happened? There were many people in those palaces that got saved. Go back and read in the book of Acts. Many of the people that were in the palace got saved. And, and, and that's the beautiful thing is it, that would not have happened if Paul had not have shared his testimony, okay? And that's going to get into uh, the, the, this last point. This is the last point, point number three. It said over there in Revelation 12, verse 11, the last part, it said that they loved not their lives unto the death. They loved not their lives unto the death. You know, in a... In a selfish world, we are called to be selfless. In a selfish world, America is probably the most selfish nation. Maybe, maybe right behind the old Roman nation. But we are an extremely selfish society. And one of the things that you see in our world today is everybody is supposed to be quarantined and secluded and by yourself. 
And one of the dangers is God has called us to not be selfish, but selfless. God has called us to not be selfish. In fact, Jesus said, if you love your life, you're going to lose it. He said, if you love your life, you will lose it. But he said, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain it. What's he talking about? He's talking about an eternal life. You know, this life that we're in right now is but for a, a time. It's only for, it's a vapor, Solomon said. It is a vapor. And then it's going to be over. And then we're going to be in eternity. We will either have spent our life for God or we will have spent it for ourselves. And we will for eternity either regret that decision or glorify God for that decision. And I want you to know today that the third part, and it's a key part of becoming an overcomer, is loving not your life unto death. Now, these people were obviously martyrs or could have been martyrs, and, and, and loving your life uh, not unto death is, is giving your life to God. It is giving your life to God. Sometimes you have to literally do this and sometimes figuratively do this. But you have to get into a point where you no longer live for self, but you live for God. You live for God. You know that in our society right now, we have so many people with a bunker mindset. We have so many people with a hunker down mindset, especially right now because of everything going on. Everybody's hunkered down. I get it. It's part of, of, of keeping ourselves healthy. But here's some, a, a spiritual mindset I want you to understand is God never called us. God never called us to be a, to preserve our way of life. He never called us to preserve our way of life. He called us to persevere, to persevere through the storms of life. It, it, is, it is not this mentality of hunkering down in a bunker six feet under the ground waiting until everything becomes utopian again so that we can come out and enjoy our Campbell's soup by ourselves. God never called us to that kind of mentality, and there is a spiritual hindrance in that mentality because it, it, it takes you away from the purpose God has for you. The purpose God has for you is that you lay down your life, either literally or figuratively, that you lay down your life for God somehow, some way, what it, what it costs you, what you do for the kingdom of God in whatever form it may be. God has called us to love not our own lives, right? To love not our own lives unto the death. Now, you know, this world needs to see biblical Christianity modeled. It's heard it spoken. This world, you can go on YouTube, you can go on the internet, you can hear 10,000 sermons right now. The, the world can hear the message, but it needs to see it, the message. The old Leonard Ravenhill, he said that the, the church, the church, it, the world needs to see the church display the gospel. 
It doesn't, it, it needs to see an actual demonstration of people that lay down their lives for God. That's what puts us into that camp of being an overcomer. Let me show you um, how the apostle Paul did that in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. If you have your Bible, just turn with me to Acts chapter 20. This is where we'll close at this morning. You know, another one of the ways that I, I think about this verse, about loving not your life unto death, I here's the thing about it. Do you know where our hope is? Do you know where our hope is? Our hope is on the throne in heaven. He is our living hope. Our hope is seated on the throne in glory. Why would we hope in earthen things? Why would we put our confidence in the things of this life when the one who redeemed us is seated in eternity? And that's where we're going to be soon. Amen? And, and when you keep that view, when you keep that view, it's easy. It's easy to lay down your life. Because you know when this life is over and you take that next breath, as the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so we know that when, if, if duty calls and we have to lay down our life literally, then the next moment we're going to be in the presence of the Lord. But figuratively, God has called us daily to lay down our lives. Jesus called it to take up your cross. You can find that in Luke 9 later. But take up your cross and follow him. He said daily. That's the charge for the church. This is how we overcome. But let's read this last part. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse number 22. Now, this is right before the, uh, shortly before the Apostle Paul is going to be martyred, and, and he's told by the Spirit these things. Look in verse 22, Acts 20, 22. Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Paul said, I don't know what's going to happen when I get there, except that, listen to this, it, he's saying, everywhere I go, everywhere I go, every time I pray with somebody, the Holy Ghost speaks through that person and tells me, chains and affliction await me. How many of you would like to avoid that town? If you knew when you go to that town, you're going to suffer chains and persecution, most of us would turn the other way. And if the Apostle Paul had the mindset of many American Christians, which is to go dig a hole, put one of those big boxes in it, and, and get a bunch of Campbell's soup and live in there till the, the world calms down, if that's the mentality, he would have never finished his course. But look what the mentality was. Verse 24. But none of these things move me. You know what that is? That's faith, guys. None of these things move me. 
Oh, you want to threaten my life? Okay. You're going to, you're telling me if I go to this town, I will die. He, look at the faith of Paul. He said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You see what he's saying? He's saying, they are telling me they're going to take my life. They're going to inflict upon me persecution, hardship, trials, things nobody wants. But he said, these things don't move me because I'm going to finish my course with joy. I'm going to finish my course with God, not going my own way in a bunker with some Campbell's soup. God has called me to finish my course. And notice what he said, the point of it, so that he could testify of God's saving grace. His mission, his desire was to go to Jerusalem go to Rome, go to wherever he had to go and share the gospel of God's saving grace so that why? Others would hear it and be saved. Notice that he said testifying. His goal was to share his faith even if it cost his life. And it is these three principles that cause us to be overcomers. Again, review. We're not overcomers because of feeling, but because of our faith. That's 1 John 5, 5. We are overcomers because of our faith. It is not our circumstances. It is who controls this world. We believe that, that faith gives us that victory. And then in Revelation 12, the three keys to being an overcomer, it says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and because they love not their lives unto the death. You can practice those three things in your own life, knowing that the devil has no authority over you, sharing your faith, and counting him more worthy than this present life. That's what it means, and that's what God has called us to do. Amen?